Welcome back to Cozy Chat Podcast. As always, I am one of your lovely hosts, Corey, and I go by he, him, his pronouns. And I'm Sasha. I go by she, her, hers pronouns. And welcome back. Uh, So, you know, it's been a minute. (laughs) More than a minute. But um, it's like. But thanks for tuning in, even though we've been. Yes, thank you for tuning in. Inconsistent with our posting. Like I don't even remember. I think the last. I don't. We definitely haven't posted yet for October, which is a shame. I swear, guys, we definitely wanted to. (laughs) I think the last post was like September. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, we did post. Corey's recommendations for Hoodoo Heritage Month. So you can definitely pull over to Cozy Chat Pod and see what that for October. Yeah. So as far as the day you're listening to this, or at least the day that this episode is dropping, you're definitely getting a twofer, assuming that the other episode didn't get lost in the cloud. So you're getting a double dose of Cozy Chat today. Um, so there's that, you know, there's a silver lining. It takes <laughs> so long, so now you get multiple episode drops on the same day as recompense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But speaking of it being a while, how have you been? How was, how was your Halloween? You know, as we're recording this, it is November 2nd, so what, two days after Halloween? Um, How was your Halloween? Honestly, I did nothing. I was watching (laughs) Hallmark, Countdown to Christmas. Wow. (laughs) Countdown to Christmas? I'm already in a Christmas mood. Yeah. But even no... Like, we bought candy. No kids even came to our door. So I just Mm -hmm. got a bunch of candy in the house. Um, But otherwise, I've been good. Just work's been slow. School's been busy. Mm -hmm. So one one thing speeds up, the other slows down. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I didn't go out for Halloween. Like, you know got a whole newborn and opportunity leave and all that stuff so it's like and I was actually got my hair done that day um so the plan was to actually you know be able to like at least go out and walk around and stuff like that but it took so long to do my hair that we just never ever got (laughs) outside um but we did have some really nice costumes team rocket and, yeah, I saw um, the pictures. It was so cute. Yeah, so we just watched, like, you know, the regular horror movies and gore movies, like The Conjuring. I think on Halloween, we were watching, like, the Stephen King film. So we was watching, like, we started with The Shining. Then we watched it. Um, 
The new then, it or the old it? No, the new one. Um, then I think the plan was to watch Doctor Sleep and then It Part Two, because like all those movies are connected. Actually, a lot of the Stephen King based movies are connected and like a general shared universe. Not yeah. so connected, like not like Marvel Cinematic Universe, but more like yeah, you know, a lot of like the different like you know spiritual alien like beings in a lot of those different like films based on his different novels you know they're very similar in origin and like particularly like the shining and like um it are particularly uh connected because i think the creature and I think it part two, like I think the the it the creature, and I think um the creature at the end of like Doctor Sleep, which is tech, which is a a direct sequel to The, the Shining. Shining. Yeah, I think some people like if you aren't really really familiar with The Shining, you probably wouldn't have even noticed, but it is a direct sequel. It's like oh look, all these years later. Um, I think they're like the same type of creature, not the same exact creature, but the same type of creature that like, it like it feeds off your psychic energies before like eventually kills you. So it feeds off like your fear and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and then like yeah. people who have quote unquote the shining are able to like fight back in some way. So it's real interesting to see how the two universes or the two, like all the different films, again, not to say they're not like connected like Marvel films connected, but when you start to like look really deep into the lore of the different, you know, mm -hmm. films and stuff like that, you're like, oh, you see the similarities and how some of these things could tie in together. And it's pretty interesting. I honestly had not watched The Shining until last semester. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, one one of the assigned movies was The Shining. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big horror fan, so I just never got around to it. Like I until like horror. It was required. I like horror, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like horror movies were scary when I was a kid, because you know, as a kid, everything's scary, right? But I feel yeah. just like having watched so many movies and you know, enjoying, and also as a filmmaker as well, I find myself more or less critiquing the film mm -hmm. so i'm just like i'm trying to sit there and watch like the horror film i'm just like why they do that like, why you do this and then once you you know as like a like a film person then also as someone who's watched you know quite a few like horror films you can generally just predict what's happening so you see it you can tell what's going to happen before it happens and it's just like you know and then there's also the added thing of this is more of a personal thing where it's just like I want to see more like international horror films or just like, mm -hmm. I want to see horror films that don't center white people. You yeah. know, there's this weird thing with horror films or not weird, but it's just like, at least here in the United States, an overwhelming majority of our horror films and stuff like that, usually dealing with this like suburban white family and they're dealing with like, you know, either some weird spirit or some weird monster or aliens or like whatever. There's another person trying to kill them in their neighborhood or something like that. Yeah. 
not to say that the movies aren't enjoyable. Like I still enjoy Friday the 13th. I enjoy Halloween. Uh, I mm-hmm. definitely enjoy the, um, the Halloween. It's kind of a reboot, kind of a not. It's like, I think it's retconning a lot of those Halloween sequels, but the, like the, the one that came out, like what, 2018, 2019, around that, whatever time. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, so I'll, I'll watch this. I'll watch the sequel to that one eventually when it comes to like HBO Max or whatever. Um, so I enjoy these, but also kind of just like, especially with like Jordan Peele and like you know Get Out and like Us and stuff like that. Um, I also watched. Uh, I did watch the Candyman move film. How was like, that? It was fantastic. Like I really loved it. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely a sequel, so it's not like a reboot. Like some people was like, "Oh, is it kind of like a reboot?" Oh, it's like it's definitely a sequel. It kind of I don't want to say it kind of retcons a few things, but it kind of reframes I think a few things um, about mm-hmm. Candyman in general. Um, so it. And it was really interesting. Again, I wouldn't, again, personally, I wouldn't say I was scared watching it. Um, again, because I'm just like. Breaking you know, it down. I, I can see what's happening from a mile away. I'm like, oh, that's going to happen. And, you know, so it takes, you know, horror films and stuff like that. They they work on suspense. So we if can see what's happening. If gone, yeah. it's not but, scary anymore. Yeah. I mean, you can still get people with like jump scares, even if you know the jump scare is coming. You can still, you, can you know, still... you get that jump, but it's not like scary. It's just like a, it's a you know involuntary reaction. But yeah. Like, yeah. I thought it was a very good film, very thoughtful film. You know, it definitely a lot of care to like the mythos of Candyman and stuff like that in the original film. So yeah. I enjoyed it. You yeah. Know. For me, I'm. Even though I'm into filmmaking and I've done filmmaking, I still enjoy like watching films and not critiquing them. Like maybe on the second watch or after reading a review, I'll think back and be like, did did they really decide to do that? Yeah. But while I'm watching, usually I watch with an uncritical eye. Then the second time I watch, I'm like, okay i see all these plot holes yeah and i think it also depends on the strength of the narrative like i'm someone who's really i enjoy a really good narrative you know this also kind of translates into like you know gaming as well i'm very much a very narrative gaming very cinematic gaming type of person Mm -hmm. but i think a film with a really good strong narrative that just sucks you in is you know because then I'm not even worrying about everything else because I'm so focused on the narrative and the story and the world building, you know, like, you know, with Candyman. Again, sure, I can see what, I can tell exactly what's happening. And I can be like, oh man, I really like these like edits and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, the story itself is compelling enough or interesting enough where I'm like, you know, I'm not doing that the entire film. Um, also for like you know month of October and Halloween watch all of like the Conjuring Annabelle movies so like all of like the mm-hmm. so all the Conjurings um, all the Annabelles the Nun 
um, la, la, la Lagrona, um, and I think those are the only movies in the Annabelle Holmes Conjuring world. Yeah. And like, again, I don't think those films are particularly frightening, not for me, mm-hmm. but the story is just so like, the stories are so compelling, you know, yeah. even when they're not super scary, where it's just like, you just sucked in, so you're not even worrying about it. So I do enjoy some of those movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, there's still a thirst for like, you know, there's a thirst for seeing other types of horror. You know, I mm-hmm. think Jordan Peele, like again, kind of going back to the Jordan Peele thing I was bringing up yeah. earlier, is like, you know, it's very similar type of horror movie films that we've, you know, already seen before. It's not like he's reinventing the wheel. Yeah, he's but not. It's, but it's nice to see a horror film that's framed from a very different cultural lens. Yeah. Right? Um, that centers, like, different types of people. And, yeah. you know, watching, if you start getting into, like, international horror and stuff like that, like, yeah. I remember there was this... Um, uh, I can't remember exactly. I think no, I don't think it was Korean. Um, I can't remember, but there was this really cool like thriller, you know, um, about like like a maid who becomes like possessed. She's like she sort of has an affair with like the husband, you know, and then she becomes like possessed or whatever, and then she goes and tries like to kill the whole family. But Is it was that just the like handmaiden. Uh, is it? I think. Maybe I think not. It is. I'm just guessing. I don't like. I don't remember. I think that might be it, but I don't entirely remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. Let but me just it, look up The Handmaiden. <laughs> yeah, but it was so good, you know. And again, it's nothing like this narrative itself isn't something new, but kind of like just having it reframed slightly differently, it just brings freshness to the story. Okay, no. I just looked up The Handmaiden. It's a psychological thriller, but it's definitely not what you described. <laughs> no, wait, wait, let me see. I think this might be it. But, well, no, I don't think it's this because it's not like, yeah, no. it's not yeah, that no, old. It's, it's not like a, it's not like a, like a contemporary yeah, piece, but yeah, it, I think it's very similar. The Handmaiden is from 2016. <laughs> yeah, but it has, I think it had, probably has a very similar, um, narrative actually knows about like an heiress and stuff yeah. yeah no um no it was very it was I, set in a very modern modern day yeah i'm bigger into like my thing is that i like movies movies are great but i'm big into like narrative television so i like to have a story told to me over like a multi-episodic kind of feel like Every time I watch a movie that's good, I'm like, what's next? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only thing I hate about movies. It's like, I want to see what happens next. And with a movie, most likely I'm not going to get that. But, like, I I would say, like, if can Lovecraft Country be counted as slightly horror fantasy I mean, kind of thing? Yeah, I would say... Uh, Lovecraft Country's horror fantasy it starts getting a little bit into um, 
you know, more, I think towards like the end, as it starts leaning more into the fantasy of it, as like the yeah. protagonists become like more empowered and stuff like that. So they become less afraid of like the different monsters and stuff like that. They become more familiar. So it becomes like the hard part becomes a little bit less. But I yeah. think definitely for the most part, it's like hard fantasy. Yeah. Like I enjoyed Lovecraft Country. Unfortunately, we're not getting a season two. That's but unfortunate. It did, yeah, it did. Like the way they set it up, it did feel like a mini series. That's something you weren't going to get any more of. Mm-hmm. But it was disappointing to find out that that was the case. Because <laughs> like, even though it wrapped itself up, it feels like, hey, y'all could have untied this a little bit and given us another season. Yeah. So I think the film is, it's the housemaid. Um, and it is a Korean film, I believe. Yeah. So, so it's, it, they have very similar titles. That's why. Ah, okay. So it's the housemaid, but it's, it's really, I, it doesn't have like a super high rating on like Rotten Tomatoes, stuff like that. But again, I found it pretty interesting. And for people, I think, who are looking for, who enjoy the horror stuff, but they're just looking for something that's just like, this feels a little fresh, a little fresher, something a little mm-hmm. new, something with a little different twist to it. Definitely mm-hmm. start, look, just go to Netflix and go to that international tab and just start watching different international movies. Yes, you're probably going to have to have the subtitles on. So you're gonna, on. So... If you're yeah. one of those people that prefers dubbed anime to subbed anime, well, I, I don't know what to tell you, but like, yeah, get past I think, your fear subtitles and yeah, I love. I would like. I used to be hardcore into Korean dramas, like end of high school, beginning of undergrad. Mm-hmm. I was like in a freaking tsunami of Korean dramas like enough that I feel like sometimes when I'm hearing a Korean person speak in public I can understand some of their conversation Mm. but I mean that's a good way to learn yeah but I wasn't um much into like the horror dramas I was more into like Mm (laughs) rom-coms hence my love of Hallmark like yeah. Hallmark fanatic. Yeah, you say you really enjoy Hallmark. I don't really watch. I don't have cable TV or whatever, so I don't really watch yeah. Hallmark. Yeah, my parents, we've had cable TV for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just haven't given it up. Um, the, um, but I still do subscribe to streaming services on the side. Yeah. Do I get to watch a lot of that? No. But I subscribe to it anyways. Yeah. Definitely one of those. I don't, I'm not personally like subscribed to all of these subscriptions. But, you know, it's like, you know, I have Disney Plus and Netflix and then someone else has like, you know, HBO Max and Stars, and then someone else has like Hulu and whatever, and then you like you know you share your passwords and whatever. Yeah. So then every everyone buys a little bit of every a little bit of something, and then you all share. And then yeah. 
which is yeah. good, especially now that like, especially now that every every seems like every single network wants to have its own individual streaming service. Yeah, which I, is annoying as fuck because they're trying to turn streaming into cable, and it's like and we it's not gonna work. Exactly, we went to Netflix because we hate cable, right? So now that you're trying to. T- it's one thing to have like Netflix and then Amazon and then Hulu, right? And then of course Disney had to be like, oh, we're coming up with our own thing. And then yeah. Paramount wants to come up with our own thing. They got like BT Plus and blah 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 blah. It's like, yeah. first of all, no one has time to subscribe to all these things. Like, literally, I'm not doing it. I'm subscribed to so many. Like, luckily, I have my parents pay for Netflix, so I don't have to worry about Netflix. But I've got Hulu, Prime, Stars, Hallmark Movies Now, mm-hmm. um, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, and mm. Viki, which is for Asian dramas. Yeah. See, I pay for Disney Plus through my um since I have Verizon. It was just like it was like yeah. free for a year and then now I pay for it out of pocket. So I do pay for Disney Plus and then I pay for Hulu. Um because I've had Hulu since like high school, so this was just kind of like an old, old thing. Yeah. Um, I did stop paying for it for a little while, and then you I can do a freeze, which I like. Yeah. But, um, um. And then my parents pay for Netflix, and then um, you know, my girlfriend's friend has like HBO Max, and then someone else has like, and then my girlfriend has Amazon Prime, and then so it's like. Yeah. Like, if I had to buy all these things, I'd be like, hell no. I will stick to, like, my little cable. three. And, like, not even cable. I'm not getting cable. Oh. <laughs> but I will stick to my little two or three streaming services. And if I miss out on everything else, I'll miss out. But I'm not I'm not doing the whole trying to turn the internet or trying to turn streaming into cable where it's like, you have cable, and I got to pay for all the different cable channels uh, and add those to your package and all that stuff. Yeah, Not yeah. My parents it. changed our TV package, so now I have HBO Max and Showtime uh, because it's included in the TV package. But mm-hmm. before that, one of my friends has HBO. She had HBO Now, mm-hmm. and I had that on my phone. And then literally when HBO Max came out, automatically yeah. it was very logo, weird. It when, changed automatically. Yeah, it was very weird because HBO had HBO Go and then they had HBO Now and then they yeah. were coming out with HBO Max. So I think what ended up happening is just the HBO Now app just became HBO Max. Yeah. So I think if you had the Now app, you literally just it automatically gave you HBO Max. Yeah, and I'm not did. entirely sure what happened to HBO Go because I think they might have got I think rid that, of it. Yeah, I think that just got rolled into Max too. So because they had two different ones, so I think they just rolled it into one thing. It's like, yeah, just have but at like, it. I like for some of my movies I have to watch for class, especially like the old movies, mm-hmm. they're on HBO Max. So I was just like lifesaver. Because I had to watch uh, two of the Matrix movies for class. Um, now that I watched that, my dad's like, can we watch the third movie? Hmm. I was like, I don't have time. 
but the matrix four is coming out in december i am i wouldn't say i'm excited as far as like you know a lot of the hype that a lot of fans have for it mm-hmm. i'm definitely going to want to watch it but i'm just like I would say I'm more excited for Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, but, yeah, I'm excited for that, too. But I guess The Matrix isn't that far behind. Yeah. Because um, literally, this year was the first time I ever watched The Matrix. Like, really? I just got away with my whole life just not watching <laughs> But... Since it was required, like, there's a bunch of movies in the last couple of semesters that I had to watch for class that, honestly, I just slept on. Mm-hmm. Will I watch them ever again? Probably not. Like, especially the old movies that they made me watch. Those things, 1940 and, and before, mm-hmm. most of that's going on a do not watch ever yeah. again. Uh, there was like when I was taking those classes, there was only a few like really good films. So I was just like, okay, I can, I'm down to watch this. But also, I think for my class, we didn't, we didn't really sit down and watch the entire film for most of them. Only like a few. We watched um, uh, Who's Coming to Dinner or Who's mm-hmm. Coming, the one with um, Sydney Poitier. Uh, we watched uh, Casablanca. Oh yeah, Casablanca's um, one. We watched Scarface. Mm. Um, because with Scarface it was we were doing a lot of like symbolism in movies or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there weren't a lot of like movies we watched in their entirety. For example, Birth of a Nation was something we had to go over just because it's the first real feature length film and they're yep. just it's yeah. Objectively as a film, it's important to film history. But yes. it's a terrible it's, film <laughs> as far as, as yeah, it's a terrible, um, very kind of like disturbing and, you know, hateful film. So just like we didn't watch the whole thing. We just kind of like the p- important parts that we needed to watch. We just watched the important parts, you know, yeah. to talk about it. But we didn't like sit there and just go through the entire thing. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's because of the whole remote format of school now, but the way my professors both this semester and last semester did it is that they would assign a discussion, like you would to write a discussion board post and you had to watch the whole film to write your discussion board post. Mm -hmm. So I watched the whole three hours of Birth of a Nation. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't do it. Like I would just hit the I, spark notes. Literally, cause my like I don't know. I don't trust spark notes. So I just literally I just chalked it up and I was like, heck, I'm never watching it again. I'll just put it in these three hours now and I'll be done with it forever. Mm-hmm. But some of these films are too long. Like I watched one like two weeks ago called the right stuff about um like the first astronauts to go into space so boring and it was like almost three hours but as far as 
one of the main topics for today. You know, again, we were hoping to get this out in October, but you know, life is life. So we're just gonna talk about it now because we want to. Um, I think as I mentioned in the previous episode, you know, October is Hoodoo Heritage Month, as well as being, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month and a lot of different, I think, a lot of different things going on with October, right? Um, but given that October was, you know, Hoodoo Heritage Month, and I've just noticed, you know, just through social media and through interacting with different people, a research, I guess, resurgence, or at least if it's not necessarily a resurgence, there's a lot of like a coming out of people who, you know, have kind of either left or have left traditional like Abrahamic religions and spirituality, and they're kind of moving towards what they consider the more like ancestral spiritual practices, right? Whether that's hoodoo, whether that's voodoo, whether that's Paolo, whether that's Ifa, whether that's, you know, Santeria, whether it's like whatever, like whatever, right? There's a lot of kind of just people kind of migrating to a lot of these practices, you know, for like one reason or the other. And, you know, it was just a very interesting kind of discussion where it's like, when you think of like black history, right? You know, the black church in itself has been like a very important cornerstone of the black community. So what is it about the black church that has people just kind of just like dropping in and saying, you know what, we don't need this anymore or we don't want this anymore. And they're turning back to their more ancestral practices. So I, I feel like I haven't really explored ancestral practices and like really delved in that. So I don't know exactly the whole like what draws people to it but what i do know is that i like from like speaking not exactly speaking but seeing experiences and hearing experiences from people who left quote unquote the black church a lot of it was based on um the especially for women the emphasis on like uh just being like subservient to men um being like just pretty much oppressed in all different ways like and it toiling on their spirits and it just frustrating them like I feel like when it comes to like divesting I feel like the I really see more women than I see men like with this like I'm gonna return to my roots I'm gonna learn more about like more traditional practices like AF they call it AFTR I think African traditional yeah ATRs yeah ATRs oh sorry I don't know why I said F (laughs) ATRs I don't know like weirdness um 
And it's interesting to see, like, especially a lot of these people come into, like, it seems like they're, like, they're working on being better people based on, like, all the trauma and harm that they found within the Black church. Like, my uncle's a pastor down south, so I've seen the way women are treated in that situation. Like, my aunt, like, I'm pretty sure she doesn't find herself a first. She's the first lady of the church, but she does not wear pants. Anything my uncle says goes. Like, and to me, it feels very oppressive, but that's how they work. Like, mm -hmm. and it's like every time I go to there and go to church, I just have to keep silent. Cause like, mm -hmm. I don't agree with what's going on. Like, I see the way, like, it's never, they've never really been like a verbally abusive, but the environment is toxic. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point where I noticed that the most um, people who are like dropping the black church or at least picking up, you know, ATRs and traditional practice, spiritual practices is, you know, black women. And then also, you know, the black LGBTQ plus community, True. right? Yes. So, you know, particularly if you see, particularly I think a lot of the men that I see, if they weren't already raised in that type of environment, right? So I think yeah. all the heterosexual men who I know or am aware of who practice that, they were probably raised around it. You yeah. know, even if they weren't necessarily brought up in it, they were raised around it. So they were very familiar with it. Um, outside of that, it's mostly like, you know, differing like queer men yeah. who have like moved from, moved away from like, you know, the black church and stuff like that and have migrated to like embracing, you know, yeah. their ancestral traditions. And again, also a lot of black women just, you see a lot of them just coming up with like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, Christian or I was this or that and you know, now I do this, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I, again, I think it has to do with, again, the Black church has been a cornerstone of the Black community for so long, but there are so many caveats that come with that, right? Yeah. Because some would argue that it wasn't necessarily the Black church itself, but our Black spiritual communal spirituality right and that the black church is just a framework from which we kind of express that you know yeah because when you think of like say christianity you know prominently you know christianity for the most part we think of like the different african slaves who came here and stuff like that it was a tool that was used to kind of like oppress them and to like yeah as a way to like strip away whatever traditional practices they had and be like mm -hmm. you know your whatever beliefs you had before now are evil right they are works of the devil and all these other things and you yeah. conform to what we consider christian beliefs or you know you'll die or you know yeah. we, we will really beat you beat the you know traditions beat out of you and beat yeah. christianity into you yeah right and 
from that kind of framework, and again, I, I do want to contextualize that the Christianity they fed to this um, people that they enslaved, you know, it was a very twisted, you know, form of Christianity. People will be like, because people like to say, hey, you know, you're using the Bible. The Bible was used to like oppression and stuff like that. But the Bible that they gave the slaves was not the same Bible that they had, the, you know, they had when they went to their white churches. You know, yeah. they ripped entire books out of the Bible, especially, you know, like the books of Ex- Exodus and everything that had to do with Moses and the liberation of slaves, right? So yeah. there's, there's two sides to that discussion but i don't want to get too heavily into that discussion but when you think of like when you think of that like christianity was like kind of beat and forced into us as a framework right yeah but even within that framework we were able to keep a lot of our you know the way we express our spirituality you know Mm -hmm. you see that in the black church Right. So um, there's another podcast, right, uh, called it's a little juju podcast. It's an amazing podcast. So definitely go check it out. And one of the things that drew me to her in that podcast was some of the discussions she would have about the similarities or between like the black church and then like different African traditional religions and like how you know, hoodoo and different stuff like that. Like how that was, has been like a part of the black church, even if you don't like name it, right? Mm -hmm. Like go to any black, you know, Baptist church, you know, and just, again, the way we preach, the way we worship, the way, just the way we practice our spirituality and then you go to like a white evangelical church or whatever they're so starkly different right and that has to do with you know the fact that the black church while doesn't while at least here in the united states i want to say it it withholds a whole lot of you know the different african you know practices and stuff like that when you think about like catching the holy spirit right we see people you know, dance the way we, you know, dance in the black church, you know, when people, yeah. you know, start running speaking around speaking in tongues and, and all that, speaking in tongues and all that stuff like that. You know, a lot of these things are things you see, again, at least the way it's presented are very yeah. unique, they're very unique to us, at least how we do it, right? Like you don't yeah. see it that way in other, you know, other cultural churches. And that's because that was influenced by, you know, our original, the original African cultures that were forced yeah. to conform, you know, and some yeah. of those survive. Again, I want to say a great deal, but when it comes to things like, you know, hoodoo, right, or like santeria, right, when you start kind of looking at those type of practices, you start noticing how a lot of these things kind of survive by kind of blending in with you know Christianity like kind of like just under the hood um to the point where you know people talk about like mojo and like the crossroads and a lot of things and like old like blues and you know different songs and stuff like that to the point where now people are just like you know what 
I don't really need the Christian framework anymore because the Christian framework as it's been fed to me, you know, it just tells me that like God hates me and that everything I do is just going to send me to hell. And it tells me that I either needed to be submissive and like practically subjugate myself to the patriarchy Mm -hmm. or I'm going to hell. Yeah. And people are tired of that. So they're moving to spiritual practices, you know, which feel familiar to them again. Um, and spiritual practices that empower them as individuals, right? Yeah. It's, it's about, and some people even say like, you know, through practicing like, you know, this other thing, it's deepened my connection with however they perceive God to be. Mm-hmm. way deeper than when they were in the black church yeah yeah because like i i always i never really understood much about like santeria when i was younger it just seemed like the boogeyman like um something that was to be looked down upon something that was like evil uh especially like because a lot of it is traditionally related to black people there was um when i was in dance school like when i was younger literally one of my teachers she was just a total bitch like she made my life miserable and then what i found out is behind my back she was telling people that i was doing santeria on her um and I was just like, that shit's crazy. And that, like years later, she's like, oh, hi, Sasha. How are you doing? And I'm still thinking in the back of my mind, like when I was like 14, you thought I was doing Santeria on you. Like, why are you in my face saying hello? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. And it's it's pretty wild because when you speak to a lot of, not only say a lot of, when you speak to certain black Christians about this topic, they get very like defensive. And again, they don't really, one thing about, you know, like I watch different podcasts about these, you know, different practices and stuff like that. And I like, mostly because I like to educate myself on it, you know, mm-hmm. particularly because if these are like, these are a part of black culture and black people, you know, whether black people here in, you know, the US or black people in the Caribbean or like wherever. So I just find it's a really good, you know, to get a good knowledge of these different practices and how similar or dissimilar they are. But at the same time, I think what Christianity does is it tells you like, there can be only this one very specific way. And in anything that doesn't fall within the, the, this particular narrative that has been fed to you, you know, is evil and that it needs to be like destroyed. And that's very toxic and I think very, you know, dangerous, you mm-hmm. know, way to view other people's different spiritualities and practices right 
Yeah. It's like this whole, like that's what it, like attracted me to the space with the unfit Christian who it's run by Danielle Thomas, who is like most people in the group call her Passa. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's kind of like a leader, a fate, like she spoke, she has spoken at different um, events, especially in relation to Christianity and divesting for it, and especially um, finding spaces to thrive within, mm -hmm. if, even if you're not like actively doing Christianity, finding ways to thrive with whichever practices you are into it's a non i would say non-denominational space like you don't mm -hmm. have to be any kind of you didn't have to come from any kind of religion to be in the group you could be jewish you could be uh muslim like catholic pentecostal kojic anything mm -hmm. and it's like it's a space where people well, it's mostly black so people are really kikiing it up most of the times they have like for the people who are interested they have bible studies and stuff like that but um i feel like that space is some somewhere where i feel better i i've always been interested in atrs <laughs> i'm gonna mm -hmm. say it properly this time but i just I really haven't found the one that I'm interested in learning about because mm -hmm. I like at first I felt like oh I want to do Santeria but I realized that if I come in like thinking about some of my ancestry like at least my grandfather being Jamaican like Santeria wasn't a thing mm -hmm. in Jamaica I don't know if it was a thing in Costa Rica either where he was born. So it's like, maybe I should try to do a little more research to see like what might be closer to what my actual ancestors practiced. Mm -hmm. Unless I just want to start mishmashing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I definitely think, you know, at least if you are interested in at least educating yourself on these different things or whether you want to explore them, that's kind of up to you. You know, it's not for anyone to judge whether that's right or wrong or if you're like whatever. That's a very individualistic um, experience. But definitely, you know, do your research. Definitely don't start practicing anything just for the lulls or just because you think, oh, this looks nice because a lot of the things, especially particularly when you start getting to like ATRs, um, they, unlike, you know, Christianity, which is very passive, like as a Christian, you can practice your spirituality very passively. You just have to like say you're a Christian and then you're maybe Christian. you go to church, maybe you don't go to church, whatever, but it's like a very passive thing. Versus like a lot of these ATRs and different spiritualities, it's like, it requires work, right? Yeah. Um, it requires you to do something. So yeah. you, you can't know. just sit back. You, 
doing veneration of the ancestors. Some people are doing crystal work. Like there's so many things yes. that come with it. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that put me off because I'm a bit of a passive person. <laughs> yeah, but also a lot of these spiritual practices are very individualistic as well. Like there is a community, you know, and you can find community amongst. But again, it comes down to you and whatever work, whatever that means that you need to do to like further, you know, your spiritual journey. Yeah. And then I always think like I was talking to this person a few years back and she was telling me, um, you know, the lady from I Iyanla Fix My Life. Mm -hmm. She's actually, uh, I don't know, she, I don't know if it's Santeria or what, but she's actually a like a priestess. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Like Iyanla is a priestess or? Yep. Hmm. I was not expecting that. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting too, because I was just like, maybe she could have incorporated more of that into her fix my life stuff. Mm, I don't know. Given like the audience, they probably been like, what bullshit or witchcraft is happening on my television? Oh, true. <laughs> true. That, that would have been ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that's just another thing that has a lot of, I think, young people migrating to a lot, of, or at least trying to learn about a lot of these things, is that they start realizing that different people, different elders they know, they may or may not have been practicing these things or practicing them in their own way. Again, whether they named it or not, right? You know, because you'll have certain older people who will practice what we would call hoodoo, right? You know, but again, and they, they go to church every week and they're very pious and the church going and stuff like that. And, but the stuff that they do, they wouldn't call it, you know, hoodoo or whatever, because yeah. it's like, you know, they just be like, you know, I'm out here, you know, doing the Lord's work and stuff like that. So that, yeah. I think that's just another thing where people just kind of notice, like, a lot of these practices survived within Christianity or, you know, outside of Christianity. And, you know, because people want to break away from the, the Christian framework, which they find, you know, very oppressive, very, like, limiting, you know, they don't find it empowering to them as individuals. They don't feel yeah. like it's strengthening their connection to God in any way, right? In anything, they it's diminishing their connection. So they're just getting rid of the you know Christian framework, and they're going to like, okay, what are these? What are these more traditional practices? What are these things that my ancestors may have practiced? What are these practices that I feel drawn to? that I feel connected to, that I feel are like giving me life versus, you know, draining me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like similar to 
uh, how people are like in mass resigning their jobs this year in the last couple, last year or so. Mm -hmm. Like it's a great thing for people to be taking charge of their lives and finding ways to like empower themselves. Yeah, very much like that. You know, you notice younger millennials or Gen Z, they're just like, yeah, um, life's too short. I care about my mental health and I have rights and I don't have to take this BS and take this treatment, especially, you know, if these corporations don't really care about me as an individual anyway. Whereas back in like, you know, the 50s and stuff like that, or just in older, there's this thing about, you know, being loyal to your company and blah, 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 blah. And you have people yeah. who would stay at the same job, you know, for pretty much the entire life and be able to pay for like everything they need to to take care of their family. Those type of jobs, at least when it comes to like, you know, service jobs and like minimum wage jobs don't really exist. Like you need multiple jobs to even just take care of yourself as an individual, yeah. let alone another person, let alone if you want to start a family or at least get a pet or something yeah right so people are just like i don't have to sit here for these low bs wages and you know take this type of harassment you know i can after working here for a little while and getting whatever experience i need i can just apply for another position for higher pay you know and just keep it moving and keep jumping around and i don't like i don't owe loyalty to any of these companies because none of these yeah. companies are loyal to me yeah yeah it, and it like i've been looking into especially like people who are talking about like breaking down capitalism like mm. i've been trying to read more about it because like I feel like low-key when we were younger, everybody wanted to be, like, we didn't know what we were saying, but everybody wanted to be rich. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted to, quote-unquote, be a capitalist. But I feel like some people, as we grew, especially now with millennials and Gen Z, are realizing that capitalism is a system that works to oppress the masses and uplift only a few people mm -hmm. the 1% or whatever like that and like really like I realized especially like there's no way to get rich or become a billionaire without oppressing others mm -hmm. like it's nice for people with these come-ups to make six figures or whatever that's cool but eventually you're going to be exploiting somebody to get further up the chain. Mm -hmm. So I think we should try, like we talked about black capitalism, but maybe another episode, we just talk about the rise of anti-capitalists. Mm. Yeah. That would definitely be a topic that we come back to. Yeah. But again, it's just whether it's, you know, our spiritual practices, whether it's the way we engage in our work environments, 
you just see a lot of younger people just kind of like divesting from the existing systems or at least not engaging in the systems the way that our parents or grandparents engaged with the system you know yeah a lot of our parents and grandparents like for those who are were are or were practicing christians right it was just like you go to church and you do you do your things and that's it right it's very kind of black and white and for younger people they're just like i watch you be abused in the church i watch my parent be abused in the church i may have been abused you know when i was younger in the church in some way and it was just like you know what at what point do we decide that we don't want to be abused in the church anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think, and I think until, and this is, goes to all churches, but you know, black podcasts. So we're speaking to black churches. So until yeah. you know, black churches really just look at themselves and accept the ugly truth that like they could need to be doing better, they're going to continue to start losing people slowly, one by one, until eventually, you know. There's nobody. Yeah, people are just gonna completely divest from it. You know, not saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just like, if the church doesn't change, it's just like. And I feel like in, in my like hopeful self, I feel like these churches need to change. They have to come to these realizations. But in my realistic self, I'm thinking a lot of these churches are going to refuse this change. They're mm-hmm. going to continue these practices because it's what they grew up with and what they saw, and they're going to keep replicating this. And they're, the churches are just going to dwindle. Mm-hmm until it's not feasible to even open like you can't even afford to open up the church doors anymore yeah and again i'm not saying that that's good or bad or like you know that's something we want to happen it's like no again i i feel like the black church has been so instrumental when it comes to black people when it comes to you know our spirituality when it comes to us as a community, you know, the black church was very important and has done very good things. But at the same time, that doesn't excuse that, you know, a lot of people feel slighted or feel like they've been hurt by the black church. So until we start like taking a serious look and be like, okay, we need to like, we need to fix some of this, some of this. We need to start holding people accountable who have been hurting people and not you know, sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like... Eh, well, that was a very uh, <laughs> interesting discussion. Yeah. Felt Definitely. a little bit... Felt a little bit heavy there at the end, but... Again... Personally, I'm not going to tell, I'm not here to tell anyone, you know, go practice, you know, an ATR, an ATR. go practice, you know, 
this religion or that spirituality over that. I'm not telling anyone, yeah, drop the black church, drop your Abrahamic religion, drop whatever, and start, you know, venerating the ancestors and doing all these things. You know, that's, I'm not here to tell not anyone the purpose that. Of that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I'm just like, yeah, it's just, this is just something we've noticed and we're just kind of explaining or at least trying to have a conversation about why we think these things are happening. Yeah. And, you know, will the black church survive? Sure. Um, I think overall it'll survive for a while. Um, but I think if, until, I think if they don't make some change, they're just going to find themselves smaller than they were before. Very yeah. reduced. Yeah. I feel like the, um, the older congregation is just going to stick with the church. And as we were saying, the younger congregation is going to peel away. Yeah, exactly. But we will see. Yes. Anything else you wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, not really. I think that's it. I think we just had a very wonderful conversation. How about you? I think we're good for the night. Yes. As always, thank you to all of our wonderful listeners, new and old, for joining us for this conversation. If you have any opinions on this, definitely feel free to let us know. Again, we went through a very, like, very surface level, very light summary, spark notes version of a lot of the things that are going on. So yeah. it's not like we went super deep into, like, you know, the issues of the Black church, because there's a lot of issues in the Black church, right? So we, we didn't go super deep into those. We also didn't ex explore super deeply into, like, all the different practices and stuff like that. So, you know, if you have information that you want to share with us about this topic, then feel free to either DM us on Instagram and Twitter at Cozy Chat Pod, or send us an email, send us articles, send us opinions, your opinions at cozychatpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, feel free to contact me or get in touch with me on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok <laughs> at youngworldty580. Hey guys, you can always find me at Sash underscore Marguerite on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, we feel free to DM us on Instagram at Cozy Chat Pod with any opinions about future episodes, past episodes, topics you think we would be interested in covering. So once again, thank you all of you for listening. And this has been Coach Jet Podcast. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>